Guys, we're going to look at uh, one of the prophecies in Isaiah. There's actually a few prophecies there concerning Jesus, the Messiah, his coming. And you've, you've heard these verses before, but we're going to look at verses 1 to 7 of chapter 9. And we're going to kind of take a few moments today and kind of regain our perspective. Because the fact of the matter is, we'll just be honest with you, we can lose our focus as far as our walk with Jesus and as far as our Christian life and even lose our focus this time of year at Christmas. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because Christmas kind of takes on its own meaning. Do you know what I mean by that? Because usually when we talk about the Christmas season, I, I don't know what it's like in your household, but it's like it, this in my household. I mean, we, we get excited about Christmas because it means family's going to be with us. And so we start preparing and, and, and we start like, oh, what, what's the Christmas gift list look like? And how much are we going to spend on our kids? And, and we start budgeting and we start thinking about Christmas and family gatherings. And today we're going to go to a family gathering down in Indiana County. And, and we're just looking at for all of the things that are happening at Christmas and when we're going to do this and when's the gift exchange and all of these things. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you, in the busyness of Christmas, not to mention what's happening with your friends and work and parties and all of that, you can forget what this is really all about. You can forget the bigger picture. Do you know what I'm saying? And you can also, I'll just kind of mention that, not just the busyness of it, losing focus, you can reduce Christmas down to it's just simply a celebration of a baby in a manger and miss the bigger picture of what it truly is about. And that it has significance even today in our lives in spite of all the things that are going on, in spite of all the craziness that's going on. Stuff that's even out of our control. So we want to talk about the bigger picture today. But before I do that, I'm going to give you a couple points about... Losing sight, okay? Losing sight. So here's two points I want you to see, because this is about where it's at when you and I can lose sight of the bigger picture of what's going on. Okay, here's the first one. It's easy to lose focus at Christmas. I think we already talked about that. It's easy to lose focus. So when you think about Christmas, first thing that comes to your mind will determine whether or not you lose focus about Christmas. What do you mean? Like when I say Christmas, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? If it's family or, or if it's gatherings or I forgot to get that at Walmart and I got to fight that crowd later today, which have you noticed everywhere is busier than ever now? It's like, do I really need to go there? Yes, because you got to get that last minute gift. When you start thinking about something and what you're thinking about when you hear the word Christmas is Jesus anywhere there in those thoughts? And that tells you that you've lost focus. See, it's easy to lose focus. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to lose focus. So then here's the second thing I want you to see. Christmas can be a positive and negative experience for a person. 
Christmas can be a positive and negative experience for people. What do you mean by that, a positive experience? Well, we're, we're going to experience some positive today in the Cannon household as we're going to get together in the Weaver clan, that's Lori's family, and we're going to have some positive experiences. But you maybe are going to have some positive experiences with, with children and grandchildren and family, but there's also negative experiences. For some of you, you, you don't look forward to Christmas because you know there's going to be a fight. A war. You know that what's going to take place is not a real positive thing. It's actually a negative thing that takes place. What's supposed to be positive and you hope for the positive always ends up being negative. And I don't need to get into details. If you're experiencing that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For others, it's a negative experience because the family gatherings aren't the same anymore because the people that you used to have at the gatherings aren't there anymore. And there's an emptiness and a pain. And you think that it goes away, but it continues on year after year. And there's somebody you're missing. There's disappointment. Because you would hope that you could do certain things for Christmas. And it, and it didn't happen because of economic situations or even family relationships and so forth. So Christmas becomes either a positive experience or a negative experience for people. And, and folks, you would be shocked in the midst of all of the hubbub, of all of the positive things that are going on, you would probably be shocked how many people see Christmas as a negative thing. So they lose focus. Lose focus from what really is important. Did you understand what I'm saying? From what really is important. And so that's where we come to Isaiah chapter 9. Now, I just want to make a point to you, because I thought this was interesting. I was reflecting on messianic passages, especially predictions about Jesus. This is one of them. Isaiah 7 is another. There are other passages, like in Micah and so forth. Always, when it, there is a promise of Jesus, it's because the people who are receiving the promise at that time are in dark times. They're in a negative experience. They are desperate for some kind of hope. And I think that's what we lose focus of this Christmas season is, yes, we're celebrating Jesus, but the point we're celebrating Jesus is, is that he brings us hope in the midst of all that's going on. You know what I'm saying? Because some of you are like, you're already planning what's going to happen beyond Christmas because Christmas is over. Woo, let's get, let's get to New Year's and whatever's coming after that. Well, listen. Christmas is supposed to be more than just one day a year or one week or several weeks a year. Christmas is supposed to be every day of your life because the Messiah has come. And he's bringing you hope in the midst of all that you're going through or all that you will face. Because right now things might be going good, but you don't know what 2020 is going to hold for you. So I want you to look with me. We're going to look at these seven verses and I just want to point out six things here, okay? Six things about this Jesus to help us get things back into perspective, okay? Six things. Let's look at this. First of all, Isaiah writes, 
Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan and Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff on his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for the burning of burning and the fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and the peace there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and to establish it with justice, with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. All right, so let me just kind of set this up for you before I talk about these five things. What's going on here? Well, when you look at, especially at the first two verses, it's talking about a people who are living in gloom. So when Isaiah is writing this prophecy, northern Israel, which was the land of Nephtali and the land of, of Ephraim and, 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 uh, Zebulun and so forth, all of that had just been wiped out by the Assyrians. That used to be called the Northern Kingdom. That was Samaria. And God in his judgment allowed the Assyrians to come in and to literally destroy them and take them away into captivity. So you talk about darkness. You talk about hopelessness. You talk about desperation because your whole life is basically turned upside down and now you're in a situation that you don't want to be in if you're alive and you're being oppressed. So that's the situation he's writing to. That's the people in the midst of darkness. And he says in the midst of that darkness the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. Okay? Who live in darkness have seen a great light. Now, let's stop for a moment. Can we relate for a moment? No, we don't have armies who are oppressing us. Nobody's come in and destroyed Kerbinsville, Clearfield County, carried you away with a hook in your mouth to be a captive somewhere. Yes, we don't have that. But the fact of the matter is, for some of you, these are not bright times. For some of you, these are difficult times. These are times of struggle. These are times of pain. These are times of you wondering, how am I going to get through this? Is there any hope? You say, well, I know Jesus. I understand that. But even if you know Jesus, there are times of desperation for you. And you're wondering, is there hope? 
Because the darkness is real. The calamity is on you. And you wonder, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Well, he's saying to these people who are in darkness, they have seen a great light. He wants them to get a bigger picture. And then he comes down to verses 6 and 7, and he tells them about the one who brings hope, the Messiah. And he gives us six things to focus on here. And that's what I want us to focus on to get the bigger picture. Because yes, we're going to enjoy Christmas. Yes, we're going to enjoy being with families. Yes, we're going to enjoy all the celebrations and the lighting of candles and the traditions and the food. Oh, we're going to enjoy the food. Right? Comas are coming, right? Where's that couch? But that's not what it's about. The food coma is not going to get you through the difficulty, is it? It's the Messiah. So I want you to, to hear these six things. Okay? Six things. Here's the first one. This is significant. This is what it's truly amazing that we lose. The first one is this. Look at what it says, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Here's the very first point. The Son of God would be born as a normal child. Those two verses have a lot of truth packed into them that if you really thought about it for the moment, would just simply blow your mind. Because for a moment, if you would just consider with me that the creator of the universe who spoke the word and everything came into existence, the stars, the universe, the sun, the moon, the earth, spoke the word and there was plant life, spoke the word, the mountains were formed, the ocean was formed, the life that is teeming in that world, all of that has a sun the second person of the Trinity, and he allows that Son who is unified with him and the Spirit as one God has a Son who, because of his love for us, because of our rebellion, let, let's just be honest, it's not because he just did it for the heck of it, it's because we did wrong. Will everybody admit we've done wrong? I mean, don't, 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 we're dysfunctional. Just being honest with you. We're messed up. And we're in rebellion against God. But, alright, so the amazing thing is that this creator, this God, the God, the only God, would send somebody so intimately tied to him, the second person of the Trinity, to come and live among us by being born as a baby. This is not just any old baby. This is God being born in the most helpless state of humanity. I mean, a baby is pretty helpless, wouldn't you say that? But he's the one who spoke everything into existence. 
He's the one who will judge the world. The Son of God would be born and was born as a normal child. That's the first thing he tells us. So let's just stop for a moment. Just let that one sink in. So what we're celebrating isn't normal. This isn't a routine thing. This isn't because your sports team made it. This is, this is something else. This is extraordinary. And, and then it goes on and says in verse 6, look at what it says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. That is in itself is amazing, because here's the thing. I mean, let's be honest. I don't care what perspective politically you're from. It just seems like humans are crazy in their how they handle government, right? They're just nuts. Because why? They're corrupted. Humanity is corrupted. I don't care how good somebody says somebody's good. No, no, we're all corrupted. And, 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 and power corrupts. No matter where they're at or what position they hold, locally or nationally or world. We live in a world with people and people are corrupt. But here's what I want you to see about the Messiah. Here's the second thing. He will be the perfect ruler of God's people and the world. When it, when it uses the illustration here about the government will be upon his shoulder, that's really a picture of like a royal robe being placed on the shoulder of a king. So this ruler, did you understand what I'm saying? He will be the perfect one, and I think that's significant, because it's, I, I think it's interesting. I've lived long enough now, doesn't matter what your party affiliation is, or who you vote for, or who you don't vote for, I sense from everybody that we long for somebody to guide us that will be there for the people, that will help us. We put our hope in leaders to truly guide us. And it doesn't matter what nation you're in. But there's that longing for us to have somebody who will truly guide us. That's Jesus. That's the Messiah. And he will be the perfect ruler. Because let's be honest, there are no perfect rulers. And he will be the ruler of God's people and the world. So that's the second thing I want you to see about this Messiah. You say that has to do with Christmas, has everything to do with Christmas. Because Christmas is just the first step in all of that process of what's coming. Here's the third thing I want you to see. Again, verse 6, and look at what it says. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here we're talking about who he is. See, here's the thing. It's interesting. You know, we used to pastor in Canada, and Canadians told me, you Americans, you have a different perspective on your leaders. I said, what do you mean? He said, here in Canada, we elect them and hate them. Doesn't matter what party they're from, if they're a prime minister, we hate them. Even if we voted for them. And I thought, that's interesting. Why? Because they're having a negative reaction towards their character. And, and let's be honest, I haven't met too many people that are perfect in their character. Have you? If you're perfect in your character, please come talk to me later. 
I've got to figure out your secret. Because we're not perfect in character, right? But here, listen to what Isaiah says. This Messiah who will be born as a child, who is the son, who will have the government upon his shoulders and will rule the people of God. Here's what he says about his character. Listen to what he says. He says this, he will be a ruler of superior character. This will be the perfect character. What do you mean? He will be wonderful. He will be a counselor. He is mighty God. Whoa. That takes the concept of a Messiah to another plane. This is God. And what does it say? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, what we're longing for can't be there in humanity. What we're longing for can only be there in the person of who? Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? Jesus. So then, let's go on. Here's the third one. Here's what it says about when he rules. All right? Look at me at verse 7. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, in order to establish, and to order it and establish it with justice, with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Here's what I want you to see, the fifth thing. His rule will be marked by peace and justice that will not end. Wouldn't you like that? Because the fact of the matter is, the way things are right now, somebody's always going to do you wrong, right? Anybody do you wrong this week? This month? Be prepared. Somebody's not going to do you right anytime in the future either. No matter how solid your case is, we live in a fallen world where people do each other wrong where loved ones will do you wrong, people who are close to you that will do you wrong. And, and that's even the most painful of the circumstances, let alone be some government thing that takes place. But what it's talking about is this Messiah who we have hope in. When he comes, when he rules, when he is really supreme in our lives and in our world, it's going to be a time marked by, first of all, here's what we would all love to have, wouldn't it? Peace. No chaos, peace. And it will be marked by what? Justice. Meaning, he will do what's right for us. Isn't that awesome? Here's the next thing I want you to see. How is this all going to take place? Do we have to write, vote in the right people for it to take place? No. It's not who you vote in. It's going to, in fact, nobody can, is in charge of this. How do you know that? Well, look at the very last part of verse 7. Look at what it says. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. See, this is what you and I need to understand. God himself will establish his rule. I think right now, if anything, we need to hear that. 
Because when you turn on your TV, it just seems like a continual flow of craziness. And you're wondering, what in the world is going on? How can we handle this? What is the solution to this? Folks, there is no solution here. And there's nothing that we can do to bring about a solution. There's only one person who can bring about the solution. That's Jesus. And when is he coming then? That's when God tells him to come. And right now, here's what it says. It says in this passage, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. God wants to perform this. And according to his timetable, it will happen. He will make it happen. You just need to what? Hope. Hold on. Hold on in the midst of your darkness. Hold on in your despair. You just need to hold on. Because he's the one who's in control. He's the one who's in control. So here's my final point here. I want you to see the sixth one. When you consider what he's saying here, Isaiah, in these seven verses, especially verses six and seven, we need to get a bigger picture concerning life. Yep, go enjoy your time with your family. Enjoy the festivities. For those of you who this is a negative time of the year, yes, I understand the despair and the hopelessness, but especially to you and even to us who are going to, to have a wonderful time, all of this needs to be set aside for the moment and you need to have a bigger picture. What's the bigger picture, George? Here, let me, let me, let me help you to understand what the bigger picture is, okay? Let me help you to pan back from just a moment, a day, to existence. And here's what the bigger picture is for you if you know Jesus. That no matter what happens, you have Jesus. That no matter what happens, he forgives you. That no matter what happens, there is an ultimate healing that is coming. That the broken relationships and, and all of that will ultimately mean nothing later on when you go to be with him and he sets all things right. Because when Jesus comes, all things will be made right. There will be no more tears. Isn't that what Revelation tells us? He'll wipe away every tear. There will be no more death, no more sickness. No more evil. It'll all cease. See, this is what we... The, the beginning of that process started with Christmas. And it's coming. And he's going to make it happen. The zeal of the Lord will perform this, is what he says. So no matter what's going on, and no matter what you're going to face, get the bigger picture. Hold on. See, Christmas is about holding on for him to come and do what he needs to do in our world. So let me give you two thoughts, okay? Here's the first one. It's a question. Have you lost sight of what Christmas truly celebrates? Have you lost sight? Yeah, it's about family. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's about 
the enjoyment of being with others, and it's about the celebrations and the food and all of this. Yes, that's wonderful. But that's really not what it's about. It's about something so much more. It's about God setting in motion a plan that would redeem this world we're in, that you're a part of, that would redeem you if you know Jesus. Have you lost sight of what Christmas truly celebrates? I'll be honest with you folks. I lose sight. We just have to admit it. Here's the second one. Look beyond your circumstances to the promised Messiah. And think about that for a moment. Look beyond your circumstances to the promised Messiah. And here's how wonderful that is. You know what? So we have a governor here in Pennsylvania. You know, I think his last name is Wolf. You can tell how much I pay attention to that. So so here's the thing. If I were to hop in my vehicle, drive down today to the governor's mansion, do you think they would let me in? No, they're not going to let me in. Who are you? Why are you here? And uh, did somebody call you to come here? you got to have an invitation to go see him, right? And then when you go see him, you only got a little bit of time to go see him, right? Does everybody understand that, right? Here's the thing, the wonderful thing about this Messiah, this promised Messiah who enters into your life when you go and give your life to him, when you decide to follow him, he is available to you anytime. In fact, that's what the writer of Hebrews talks about. Let us, what, come boldly to the throne of grace. You can barge right in and say, hey, I need you. I need you. That's reality. So look beyond the circumstances, not just this time of year, but all circumstances, to who? The promised one that hopefully you know that you've given your life to. Let me pray for you.